always have Friday night when Wisconsin beat North Carolina 85 to 62. Can we go back and relive it? Is there a DeLorean? Brad Davison, man, loved it. Brad Davison just crushing. He uh, absolutely killed it. It took uh, until a senior season, but Wisconsin's emotional leader finally, finally had that big-time NCAA tournament win on his resume, and he got her done with 29 points a season high, and rumor is he's still hitting from uh, beyond the arc. No, he's not. Oh, yeah, I guess they played a game after that. Uh, he was just crushing it. We say good morning to RJ, too. What's up, RJ? Morning. Yeah, I said rumor is Brad Davidson still hitting his threes at the Mackey Arena. You shook your head no. Oh, I mean, we saw the game yesterday. I'm trying to forget about that game yesterday. Um, we're, we're, we're talking right now just specifically about Friday, RJ. Good morning, by the way. Morning. Uh, Rowdy, how about Brad Davidson Friday night? How awesome was that to see? And Demetri Trice. How awesome was Davidson, though? Again, it was the best game they've played Woo! all year against the Best competition that they played well against. Yep. Do you really, Arthur? Do you think they played a better game against a a team that was better than North Carolina? No, but I don't think North Carolina is a good team. I think North Carolina is <laughs> probably like a top thirty-five team. Yeah, but I mean, I think Wisconsin's better than that, you know. And we've we've seen it like throughout the year. They beat the teams they're supposed to, and they beat the teams who are average to bad. So Wisconsin, and that's exactly what they were. I mean, in that North Carolina game, Wisconsin ran up and down the court, unlike what Wisconsin normally does, mm-hmm. and they made shots at a high percentage, yep. which Un- they hadn't done what they do. for the majority of the season. <laughs> you had Nate Reavers and Micah Potter, who they might not have statistically played their best games against North Carolina, but they played physical down low. Yep. They altered shots mm-hmm. and they didn't give up easy baskets or easy rebounds. Exact and they <laughs> Yeah, they were, they were all over the glass Wisconsin. Oh, they was. beat them by 7. Yeah, Wisconsin was just category? crushing. They, yeah, they out-rebounded North Carolina, the, the number, team yeah. that was supposed to be the top rebounding team in the country, the team that had four guys that were four stars or better that were 6'10 or taller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they basically shut them down. I know when you look at it just going through the box score, some of North Carolina's bigs ended up having, you know, decent games statistic statistically, but that was a lot in garbage time. Oh yeah, yeah. the last yeah. ten minutes of the game, and and really, what they held those their two forwards to like combined eight points. Yeah, in the first I love half. this right here. So the Tar Heels, everyone's like, oh, well, they got in the offensive glass. The Badgers held them to eleven rebounds on the offensive end of the glass and just twelve second chance points all night. Wisconsin re- out rebounded North Carolina by three. On the night. You love to see it. And Wisconsin going for deep, 13 for 27, 44% from beyond the arc. Uh, are now shooting north of 44% from beyond the arc over the last four games. And then that helped the Badgers have obviously beat North Carolina out of transition and get her done. Mm-hmm. It was Wisconsin was it was awesome. It was it was awesome. They didn't even really play the Wisconsin type basketball that they've been playing the last few years. They looked they played a tempo that was closer to that 2014-15 team yeah. that still somewhat ran a modified swing but were getting up and down the floor because they had more athletes to do so. They went out and did that and did it really successfully. And it doesn't hurt when you're making a ton of threes. No, I love this right here. Our guy, sports director Zach Halprin, who were uh, here from um, in the nine o'clock hour today, he wrote this article obviously Friday night. And in his article, when he does, it's called the last word. And he always does player of the game. Then he does the good, uh, the not so good stat of the game, best video, best tweets. You know, he breaks it down. He, uh, I love his articles. Uh, but my favorite part about his article is uh, the not so good. So he says the not so good. N 
A. After what the second half of the season looked like for fans, just enjoy what you saw Friday night. You've got nothing to complain about. His, his not so good was not applicable. Man, just think. <laughs> North Carolina, this great basketball school, Blue Blood, went 0-2 and lost by a combined 26 points to Wisconsin teams this year. Yeah, because Marquette throttled them too. By 13. Yeah. You just hate to see it for North Carolina. Psych! All right, we'll keep talking about it. Let's go uh, to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Surprise. Happy Monday. One second. Who's this? Tommy. Hey, Tommy. What's up, brother? Hey, you know, um, like you say, Friday was amazing, and it really gave you a, a feeling, not that it would transfer to another game because that hardly ever happens where they go two monsters in a row, but yeah. it just tells me that they got to rebuild this whole concept of what Wisconsin basketball has turned into. The thing with the swing under Bo is that it was so – calculated in, in just such a regimen that they could fall back on it whenever they really had to if they got away from it. But they don't have anything that they fall back to right now It's except the three-point. And, you know, if someone's hot, that's great. It really worked Friday, but it sure didn't work yesterday. Yeah, that's the thing, so, Tommy. Like, once they get caught up in just shooting their uh, threes and they go ice cold and it's over because they never really work it down low after that. When they, You're right. When they got to the seven-point margin a couple times near the end, if they could have taken it into the big guy three, four times in a row – made half of them got fouled a couple times, it would have been right down to nothing to nothing, you know. So yeah. it's just crazy that they somehow managed to get as far as they did without having a concept. I mean, I don't I don't really understand it at all. I can't figure it out what the concept is. Well, so. Tommy, let me ask you, brother. So six seniors are on Wisconsin's team, and this year does not count towards eligibility. So hypothetically, all six seniors could come back if they wanted to. Uh, but the rumor is that only, uh, I think it was Brad Davison and... God, I've, there's one other guy that maybe we're thinking about coming back. Was David? Oh yeah, and uh, uh, Anderson, Trevor Anderson. Would you want to see any of these guys back? With I mean, they're the same guys that have the same philosophy. Would you want to see any of these guys back, or would you say, hey, it's time for the young guys to come in? Well, I've been saying the young guys, but to me, it's not the guys that are making the philosophy. I mean, the coach is letting it happen. So, what what is their what do they get taught in practice about what is their standard offense? I mean, what is well, Greg Gard what, runs what you know. Bo Ryan always has. They come, he comes from the the tree. It's just you know, it's the game has changed do, a little bit. You know, Bo had it so regimented that it was for real, and they didn't always win, but they always had a thing to go to. And now they just they stumble around. They all stand around the three point line. Why can't you have someone <laughs> under the basket all the time, even if it's someone running through? I mean, they yeah. just stand around the three point line. All right, Tommy, so obviously a little frustrated and and I don't know, sad, but you know the tournament's coming to an end for the Badgers. But what did you think Friday night after that win? Were you on cloud nine? Friday was amazing, and then once again I just got the radio, so I couldn't see it. But I, uh, you know, I was loving it. And Michael Potter was going down there and just beating on people down under the basket, and so was Reavers and stuff, and the blocks and all that stuff yeah. was great. Yeah. So the point is that they got some of the pieces, but they, there's nothing that stuck it together. And um, so I'm just saying I think it's time to redo the concept. Why don't you get some guys that can fast break? <laughs> hey, Tom, how about this? We have uh, about a week and a half till opening day for your Milwaukee Brewers. How about that? I am psyched. I am really psyched. It's, I've been reading MLB stuff, and, of course, they're full of BS, but they uh, occasionally <laughs> say how great the Brewers are going to be this year. Yeah, like, Tom, oh, I think they're going to be good, man. So let's, uh, let's uh, cross our fingers. Leave me down the Golden Brick Road. <laughs> See you, Tommy. All right, buddy. Good stuff from Tommy. Um, Tom's comment on the philosophy of the Badgers and how they just kind of, well, I mean, that's what they did all season, right, is they would get to this hero ball where everyone would go on one side and Trice would dribble on the other side, and then it would you know, be down to about three seconds on the shot clock, and he'd either jack up this crazy three or 
uh, be a contested drive that he would miss. Not all the time, but that's just what it seems like. I don't like. know. I think their biggest issues this year were not making shots because they yep. didn't do it very consistently mm-hmm. and just being extremely soft down low for the most part when I find it weird that a lot of the guys like Reavers weren't soft the year before. We talked how awesome it was Friday. Friday was incredible, right? Friday against the Tar Heels was amazing. Well, and then let's advance the story to what happened yesterday afternoon. As Wisconsin season has come to an end, losing to uh, the number one seed, Baylor, 76-63 to in the round of 32. It was it was just a display of, of more athleticism, I would say, from the Baylor Bears. You mean Bears. running into a better team. Yeah, a better – thank you, Rowdy, yes. The Baylor Bears were definitely head and shoulders the better team than the Badgers. And it was on full display with alley-oop after alley-oop and three after three and, you know, no scoring droughts for the Baylor Bears and they had, you know – uh, they weren't turning the ball over like the Badgers were doing at first. The Baylor Bears generated wow. 16 points off of turnovers. They also had 11 second-half chance points. It was uh, every bright spot that the Badgers had against North Carolina, they really didn't have. Well, not per se against the Baylor Bears. Wisconsin didn't play bad. I thought so. the big men actually played really well against Baylor. Just I Baylor thought played Micah, better. Yeah, I thought Micah Potter and even Nate Reavers played one of their better games together. Well, it also showed that they were on the court a lot together Yeah, because they needed them both to be on the court because Baylor is a bigger team. They make shots. But I thought overall the Badgers didn't lose this game down low like you probably would have thought they would have based on what the score was, how their season has played out. The biggest things in my, my mind after watching the game was Wisconsin just killing themselves in the first half with turnovers. Yeah, the turnovers are bad. And the second one was just the quickness and athleticism from the Baylor guards where if they wanted to get to the hoop, yes, the no majority problem. of the time they were getting to the hoop and either laying it in or throwing up those alley-oops and the big man were stuffing it. You know, there were times they were just at will, Rowdy. They're like, okay, I'm gonna get to the basket. Watch me do it. Well, there, were, there. there were multiple times, especially when Trevor Anderson came in, and I know he only played five minutes, but that Oof. was probably about four more than he should have. That was tough scene, Rowdy. He couldn't stay in front of them to save his life. And we already know that since his uh he's had some knee issues when he got to Wisconsin, he looks he's looked slower yeah. from when he first originally got there. But he he couldn't be on the court with those guys. There there was a reason why he played five minutes. It should have been less. But even Davison was getting blown by. Even Trice Trice. was getting blown by. They just had superior guard play, and Wisconsin had no answer for it. I mean, the Badgers shot forty five and a half percent from the field, thirty eight point one percent from beyond the arc. It's not like they were you know missing a lot of shots. It's just. It was, uh, to Rowdy's point, Brad Davison and uh, Demetri Trice, who combined to score 50 points against North Carolina, they combined for just 20. And they were 8 for 28, and from the field, 4 for 14 from 3. It's just the guard play was that, that much different. And Wisconsin didn't even shoot the ball that poorly. I mean, no. they really didn't do anything that poorly. They just got outclassed. Outclassed by a guy with a mullet and a lightning bolt shaved in the side of his head. Sometimes you'll have that. Which, by the way, is a fantastic haircut. It's a fa- it's a fant- I wouldn't wear it myself, but it's a fantastic haircut, RJ. The way his was, it was done improperly. It looked like he should have been playing for like West Virginia. You, you gotta, like you gotta like, fade. It's like that's like the the mountains and west and hills of West Virginia. You gotta, you gotta fade that a little. He looks more. like he's a moonshiner he or something. Like he had Lego hair on. That he was a very interesting looking guy. But you know the Badgers. It just shows how much more athletic the Baylor Bears were. Just a better team. It was. Those alley-oops after alley-oops, well, those dunks were so sick. Baylor came into the season ranked second, correct? 
Yeah. For most of the season, they were ranked second behind Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. Remember, they were supposed to play Gonzaga, and that was supposed to be like the big matchup of the year. And then it was canceled due to COVID issues. Well, Baylor only's got, what, two losses on the season? Yeah, so, I mean, they were a top-four team the whole season. And they weren't a pretender. No, they definitely are not pretenders. Wisconsin reached six. Yeah, to start the season. Yeah, to start the season in the first handful of rankings – they were ranked sixth in the top ten in the country. They're obviously a pretender. Yeah. Baylor wasn't a pretender this year. No, I like ba- Baylor could be a team that wins it now. The second the second um sentence here in this article I'm looking at the big bad ball hawking bears are back and again look like a team ready to make a deep run, possibly into the final four. They totally look like that. The Baylor Bears, they're good. Now I want to ask you team. guys. I'm not saying this is the reason and I'm not blaming this at all, but I thought in that first half when Wisconsin was turning the ball over like crazy, where they had what was it, nine or ten turnovers in the first half, which was their season average. Yeah. I felt like Baylor was able to play more physical Agreed. down low. Hands Wisconsin down. was getting whistled for everything, whether it was yep. sizing guys up down low when it was the big guys banging or when they drove to the bucket. I felt like there were a ton of soft calls big and time. late calls. Very late. They were waiting to see if the ball would go in, and if it didn't, then they'd call, they it. call it. it I, was... didn't think, I didn't think that was the difference. I think the difference is still Agreed. the fact that Wisconsin had that many turnovers, mm-hmm. and the fact that they couldn't guard. No, you're totally the right. Baylor though. guards, yeah. but I the first half it did that, it did seem like Baylor was allowed to do a lot more hand checking. Uh, the Baylor was allowed to play physical. physical. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. And they they found their defensive groove, and they were in it. And they were like, okay, the refs it's, are going to give us yeah, this, so we're going to take that it when you're not getting called for it. Yeah. The, the refs are going to give us this. We can hand check. We can get you know bump and grind down low. Give us physicality. Refs won't do anything. Then Wisconsin tries to do it, yeah. and they're like, <laughs> the the couple of fouls you did see on them were blocking fouls because they didn't have their feet set. Yeah. Other than that. I mean, I could have punched a guy in the face, and it would have been fine. <laughs> well, when you look at what Wisconsin could have done differently, I don't think they really could have done a whole lot differently. Obviously, taking care of the basketball is one, mm-hmm. and maybe made a few more shots. But you can't all of a sudden turn on your athleticism because the Baylor guards are going right by you. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was nothing they could do about that. They were just... Flip the switch. Come on. Yeah, they were just, just lesser <laughs> players at that point. So, uh, I'm, you know, just kind of... Reading here a little bit, they said, led by Mitchell's never given inch style. Baylor made Wisconsin senior heavy lineup uncomfortable with its athleticism and all out defensive effort. I mean, like, like I said, if you didn't have to give a guy an inch and weren't getting called for being in that protective bubble, mm-hmm. I mean, you could play defense all night long and not worry about it. Hey, the Badgers, though, they did. They were, what, down 18 at one time? They did come back and make it, what, a seven-point seven game? Point and you're like, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. And then the dry spell kind of happened. Yeah. And you're like, all right, well, there's no way that Wisconsin has the guys to answer what the Bears That kind of dates back to Friday night for me. So I'm sitting there watching the game, right? Wisconsin comes out. They're playing extremely well. But were you guys not watching that first game going, all right, when are they going to fall apart? Yeah. You were, like, like, you when's were the, waiting, when's you were the waiting cold spell? for a drought. The cold yeah. spell happened. Right at the beginning of the game, along with North Carolina, like yeah. for a while, I'm like, this is going to be like a thirty to thirty game. And the Badgers weren't shooting bad either against Baylor, though. Like they, no, I no. think at halftime they had more. Uh, their percentage wise were better at three pointer, but Baylor was just well. That's the difference in the two that. games. I mean, Wisconsin really didn't have a big drought where it was against Carolina, where it was you were sitting there like, okay, can we get a bucket? Can they score a bucket? And then they flash up on there like. No baskets in nine minutes. They never had any of those. They were making shots. 
they were going up and down the court, scoring, playing physical. Now the Baylor game, they played pretty well. Yeah, they did. But they still had, what, probably three times I remember where they flashed. Haven't had a basket in four minutes. Yeah, like three minutes, four minutes. Haven't had a basket in three minutes. They flashed those up multiple times. And then you throw on top of it the turnovers. I would say grading the two games for how they've played all year, I would give them an A-plus against North Carolina on Friday night. And I think I would give this Badgers team a B-plus against Baylor. Yeah, they didn't play a bad game against Baylor. But they needed the A-plus game. They did. If you look at the field goal percentage, Wisconsin was 45.5% shooting. Baylor, 45.5% shooting as well. I mean, they were both 25 for 55. But the difference is the three-point ball, where Wisconsin shot 38.1%, and the mullet, the dude dude at the mullet leading the way, they shot 47.1%, and then turnovers were key because the Badgers were coughing the ball up a lot. Mm -hmm. And that was the first half. Like that, if you don't, if you take care of the ball a little better, then maybe it's a different game. I still think the Baylor's winning that game, though. I mean, looking at the turnovers in the first half, Wisconsin had, was it nine or 10? They finished finished with 14. So you had just five in the second half. Baylor had one turnover at the half. They finished with four. Yeah. 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 And it it was, I mean, it's a very similar game. I mean, it's not like the the three point percentage was a little different. I mean, obviously the edge to Baylor by nine uh, percentage points. Other than that's the turnovers were the one, the Achilles heel of the Badgers that game. I don't know if they were getting by that. To your point, though, Rowdy, they had to play their A plus game. Yeah, and they and they played a good game. They played a B plus, in my opinion. But Baylor's just better. B plus doesn't get it done against a one seed that now could probably be one of the favorites to win the tournament with Gonzaga. Baylor Bears get her done. Unfortunately for us Wisconsin fans, yesterday, what a game on Friday though. Right yeah. high up that Tar Heels victory, boy. I, I like I said, what a game earlier, on Friday. Though, and I do agree with Pete from Monona. North Carolina is not a good basketball. Team. No, they're not. No. Like. We we talked just have about the name. it. We talked about it leading up to the game. No, uh, Rowdy was replaying it. I heard it yeah. on the farm show this morning at five thirty. Us talking about North Carolina. If, if you got, if you got five NBA talent starters plus another couple that are on your bench, mm-hmm. Roy Williams is going to win a national championship. Yeah. If he doesn't, his teams flame out in spectacular fashion. Okay, could you see it like halfway through the second half uh, Friday night where the body language for the Tar Heels just changed? All of a sudden, they're it's just... not in the first. They're just like deflated and they're kind of like slouching a little bit. And they're just like, man. I mean, you you could see it when Roy Williams sat down in the first half. Dang gummit. And like, you could see it in his eyes. Like, you listen to that press conference, he sounded like a completely defeated man <laughs> who had no clue what happened. Yeah, I mean, he, he totally is not did. a good coach. All right, so then let's advance it. Sunday, yesterday, the Baylor Bears. Uh, the Badgers never really had that defeatist um, let look to them, like they were slouching look. But once Nelly's guy Higginbottom got in, obviously with uh, oh, come on, it was under a minute <laughs> yeah. left. But no, it was uh, when the Badgers were down nine, and there was like two or three minutes left, and there two minutes left. And they kept following. I'm like, oh man, like this is what we're in for now. Like that, uh, that's when it hit that, me. Yeah, that, that's when it hit me. I'm like, okay, the Badgers are done. So speaking of the Badgers being done, Baylor, Rowdy. I mean, we can all and RJ. Baylor is just they were just obviously the better team. The yeah. Badgers needed, and Nelson, you said it best. The Badgers needed to play what their A plus game. Yeah, and they played about a B-plus game. If you went into this game not thinking it was going to be a matchup like we've seen when the Badgers played Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa, mm-hmm. uh, even Purdue for some for that one game they played, if you went into this game thinking, oh, well, we just knocked the socks off North Carolina, Baylor, it's going to be a game. Like, you haven't watched the, the yeah. season. Yeah. I mean, 
I went into that game thinking Wisconsin didn't have a chance. I went into the North Carolina game thinking they were going to win. I thought they were going to win North Carolina. When the, the Baylor Bears matchup, I was like, man, they're so athletic. Like, they're so good. One of the bigger takeaways for me with North Carolina game, because we talked about this early in the week. When we first saw the matchup, my gut said, this is a good matchup for the Badgers. Mm-hmm. North Carolina is really under um, achieved for the most part, just like this Wisconsin team, and they've looked worse doing it. But then I started hearing all the numbers. You see all these statistics <laughs> and all this other stuff. Doubt crept in. You got to go with I your gut, with, Rowdy. I went yeah. with North Carolina. You got to go with your gut, but Rowdy. You got to go with, but should have went with the gut. The fir- your first instinct, you got to go with What it. else did we talk about? The only thing that worried us was rebounds. Yeah. That was it. And Wisconsin yeah. d- and cleaned you, up on the glass. But you couldn't unsee. For me, right. I couldn't unsee that rebounding statistic. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you, you look at it, much like I said, when you talked about the the top teams in the Big Ten, Wisconsin got out-rebounded every game. Yeah. Like, they just looked bad on on the glass. And if I told you before the start of uh, March Madness that Wisconsin not only would beat North Carolina, but they would out-rebound both North Carolina and Baylor, Yeah, I don't think I would even believe it to tell you that. Right. So then... But they did it. They they did did it. it. And Wisconsin didn't play bad against Baylor. It's just no. Baylor's better. Baylor's, Baylor's a better team. Right. Like that's that's just what it is. I mean, right now Baylor's probably the second favorite to win it all behind Gonzaga. Yeah, right away yeah. when Baylor came out and it was like driving to the rack at will. It's like they're just blowing by the guards, and then all of a sudden you see the alley oops. You're like Jesus. Yeah, like they're putting on like an and one basketball display right here. Then the dude with the mullet with the lightning stripe is hitting all his threes. You're like, all right, let's let's see if we can weather this storm here. <laughs> And the Badgers got down 17, brought it back. Well, 18, I mean, then brought it back to seven. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, then they, the cold spell kind of yeah. happened. Then so, you were just, and, you know, for, for a little and bit And Baylor there, just kept getting ba- to the rack. Baylor had a little cold spell in there, but Wisconsin was keeping it around seven to ten for a little bit. Mm. And then, you know, you get it down to seven one last time, and it just turned into uh, maybe you spent all your energy trying to get yeah. back. And, you know, you, you ended up losing. I mean, it well, happens. I feel like Wisconsin kept hitting a brick wall once they got it to about 9 or 10. Yeah. It was like they could get it back to 9 or 10. They had opportunities to get it within 7, and it was like then they would come up short. It yep. would be like a turnover or a missed shot. Or it would be a three-minute spell here where they haven't scored. Four-minute spell. They just they could never quite close it from there when they had opportunities. Yeah. I mean, Baylor's Baylor's good. Baylor is really good. So the question here, and we're up against it. We've got News of the Weird coming up. Then we're going to interview uh, Brad Murphy. Uh, Brad Murphy is the coach for the Madison West Club football team who is struggling right now to fill out their schedule. As the Big 8 Conference says uh, that they want all the kids to you know, be equal, have equality, everyone out there uh, to just play the game. And then when Brad Murphy put together – Players from Madison West, East LaFalte Memorial, Big 8 then says, well, we don't want to play against you. So we'll talk about that coming up at 8 o'clock. But before we do that, there's the big question here is with the Wisconsin Badger basketball team. Six seniors who are all eligible to return for another year thanks to a waiver by the NCAA due to the pandemic this year. They say Trice and Potter are almost surely gone, and the same goes for Reavers and Aleem Ford. But there is some speculation that guards Trevor Anderson and Brad Davison are the most likely to return. My question is, do you guys want to see any of these seniors come back? All of them, some of them, none of them. 
you know, the only one I think I'd be okay with just because it'd piss off so many people would be Brad, Brad Davidson. Because, I mean, it's not like you're doing the NBA. In, in the first hour, Trevor Anderson is, I mean, yeah, he was Mr. Basketball at one point in time before his knee injuries and all that. But now he's had two knee injuries and he just looks a step slow. In some games, he's off the bench, that spark off the bench, but that's very few and far between. Most of the time, he's like that guy who's like pushing himself to the limit so much, like he's always falling over almost. You know, that guy that's always like, he's got his head down, his shoulder, and he's dribbling the ball really hard. He's about to fall down. He's running so fast. Brad Davison when he had to play. Yeah, that was that's Trevor Anderson. Um, But it. See, I think yeah. if, <laughs> well, you, know, you don't have to give a full answer looking here. We're going to talk about it. Looking at up. it roster-wise, if you had to to dive into Wisconsin's roster and what it's going to look like in the next year, I think from a, a roster standpoint, you would welcome back the big men because mm-hmm. you don't have much of it. You don't have much experience there. But you would probably like to see the guards move on just because you have a lot of young, talented, higher-ranked uh, recruits coming in that play guard. Yeah, I mean, and we haven't wanna, seen what Lauren Bowman can yeah, do Yeah, do you want to continue to play the same old, same old guys that are 22, 23, 24, 25 now? Or do you want to start to get in the 18, 19, 20-year-old young guys? Like half the NBA. Well, <laughs> so if if all of the seniors leave, Tyler Wall will be the only upperclassman in the rotation. And then Jonathan Davis will be the most, the next most experienced player when it comes to minute-wise. Hey, sometimes... Uh, new blood. Be the youngest team I could ever remember for Wisconsin. And, I mean, you see the potential of the recruits coming in. Uh, And, like Rowdy said, I'd rather have the big men stay and see what these younger, on paper and on the video I've seen, more athletic guards can come and do. I got a message last week from a listener, and he said, can you help us out with this? This is a sad story. My son you know, is a starting center. And he, we've played with this coach since sixth grade. The Big Eight the Big Eight Conference won't play with us, but other teams will. And then he sent an article from, uh, let's see here, the article I got from Channel 57, and it was uh, you know, starring the, starring or highlighting Brad Murphy, who is the head coach for the Madison West Club football team. But we welcome in Brad now. we got to get Brad's story. Brad, good morning, man. How are we doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having us on. Hey, thanks for joining me, man, because when I first had Jocko on and he was talking about this and how you guys were struggling to just let kids play football, I was, like, scratching my head because I remember, you know, people in the Big 8 talking about how everyone should be playing and they want to help the kids out, but when push comes to shove, they're not really helping kids out. But before we dive into that, uh, Brad, tell everyone a little bit uh, about yourself and your story and how you came to coaching uh, the Madison West Club football team. Yes, I've been the head coach over at Madison West for the last five years. Um, have a really close connection with my current seniors and known them since sixth grade. Uh, of course, with the pandemic, you know, our school district, unfortunately, has not afforded the right for these kids to play sports all year long. And probably like five months ago or so, you know, I told my seniors, I said, we are going to have a football season no matter what. Um, and I need to make sure that I upheld that promise and, um, I kind of saw this coming a long time ago that they weren't going to let us play football this spring. And then we formed a club football team uh, to make sure that these Madison kids could play a spring football season like all of the other schools in Dane County. So, so Brad, let me ask you, man. So let's, let's take it back a little bit. You know, when the pandemic first hit, obviously you guys get robbed of your fall season. And was anyone else standing up wanting to do something for these kids in the Madison area to get a season? Or was it just a lot of talk and no action? 
Yeah, I, I would say it was a ton of talk and no action. Unfortunately, our school district has pretty much failed these kids over the last six months, and it's it's really a travesty, and it's something that's unacceptable, and uh, it wasn't going to be okay with me or my coaching staff, and that's why we kind of took the bull by the horns and, and gathered all these kids and fundraised you know over $15,000 so far. Wow. And, I uh, tried to make sure that we could have helmet, shoulder pads, all the things that these kids need, insurance for our football team. Um, and, you know, we, we've strung it together, and we got a great thing going, and, and now we're just trying to find games so, for our kids. So, Brad, um, when it comes to coaching Madison West, is this does this now does anything get in jeopardy for you for, like, long-term coaching with you kind of making your own club team? I'm just curious. You know, I, yeah, for me, you know, they told me that I'm probably going to, like, get let go over this. Are you serious? Um, yeah, I'm serious. You know, but that's really not my concern, and I don't want to keep the focus on that at all. All I care about is making sure that the the kids from these four Madison schools are afforded the right to play football. So and so, Brad, Big Eight obviously, and everyone else in this conference outside of the Madison teams are playing each other. Is it a round robin? Is it twice a uh, twice they'll play each other this season? Correct. So we got Verona, Middleton, some Prairie, and Beloit. Um, I reached out to all four of those schools, told them that we wanted to play them way before they even made their schedule this spring. Mm-hmm. I told them that we were going to form a club football team, and we wanted them to afford our Madison kids the right to play, just like they're trying to make sure that their kids could play. And instead of allowing us to play them, they decided to schedule each other twice <laughs> and not give our kids an equitable opportunity to play them. No. And it's one of the biggest travesties I've ever heard of. No. I'm looking here, and yeah, Sun Prairie, Middleton, Verona, Beloit, all playing each other twice. I see the schedule, and you guys are just trying to fill out a schedule here. You have uh, of what is your schedule looking like right now? Do you just have three games? Yeah, so you know it, this is where the hypocrisies really start to come in too. I mean, we we have three schools from the Badger Conference that have already been willing to play us or on our schedule. So we already played Monona Grove as a scrimmage on Saturday this past Saturday. We are going to play Mount Horb either Friday or Saturday this week. And then our last game of the season, we're playing Milton High School. Mm-hmm. You've got three teams from the Badger Conference that are stepping up and doing the right things for kids. But the Big A Conference, Middleton, Verona, some Prairie and Beloit, are not stepping up to play our kids from our own conference. It's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. And um, I'm reading here, and the Big 8, they said, is committed to providing safe and equitable environments where athletic competitions can thrive. So what yeah. what is their excuse then besides uh, uh, having, what, a contract for these games that are scheduled? Now? Like, What is their excuse to exclude Madison East, West, La Follette, and Memorial? Well, it's very clear that they don't care about equity. If they did, they would take care of us and make sure that our Madison kids all four Madison schools and the, the kids that are on this team are able to play their normal Big 8 opponents. And their excuse is, well, we have a contract to play these schools twice now rather than playing the Madison schools. And I said, no, 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 no. We called you before you even made those contracts. You should have afforded our kids that right. And they still can. There's no reason that they have to play each other twice at all. Mm-hmm. They know that. They're not doing the right things for kids, and it's unacceptable. So, do they? I'm from reading this article that I saw on NBC 15 and the story and whatnot. By the way, Brad Murphy joining us right now, Madison West coach, also now coach of the club that he formed, the Madison West Club football team. Are they now also using the guise of COVID 19 that you guys are not uh, and well, not following the guidelines or something? Are they trying to use that as well of a reason why not to schedule you? 
I mean, they tr- they tried to sneak that in a little bit, but that hasn't really been a huge concern because we've been following the Dane County guidelines yeah. uh, to a T. And I've also gotten the WIAA literature to make sure that we're following the exact same things that all the other teams in the state of Wisconsin are following. Because you're sanctioned, right, by the WIAA. You're sanctioned to do this, correct? You don't have to be sanctioned. The WIA has approved us to play every single team in the WIA. So you're so, approved by the WIA. You're following correct. all the guidelines set forth that everyone else is following from Dane County. And right. you are now showing the big fat no, we don't want to play you because of a contract? It, it's All it is is an excuse. Yeah. And we all know that. And, you know, it comes back to equity. And, you know, like it says in that article, they speak a good game but they're not stepping up to all kids. All they seem to care about is their own current school, and, and that's a travesty. No. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on trying to fight for our kids. Hey, we're here for you, brother. Anytime you want to come on here and uh, you know, shout it out, we will glad to have you because I am all for having kids because to, to just have like some kind of normalcy, right? Uh, have they not seen the spiking of depression and how kids are just uh, – uh, mental health is just struggling for kids right now? And what a great way for you to bring them all together to kind of have some normalcy back. So tell us what it's been like for you to try and get you know fundraising. And uh, were pads donated? Were jerseys donated? Like what, what's the process you've all had to go through here? Yeah, so you know, initially started with our parents. Um, you know, just kind of reaching out to them at first to see who wanted to donate to help out other kids. And we had quite a few parents step up there. Then we formed a GoFundMe page, put that out on Facebook, uh, got an overwhelming response there. Um, so we're doing really well with that. And then we got a huge donation from the Army National Guard. They bought us $10,000 of brand new uniforms, home oh, and away. That is that is awesome, man. That is, that is absolutely awesome. So it really is. I'm, I'm trying to decipher and understand, and I think you are too, of why these kids can't play football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, education is supposed to be about kids. And unfortunately, Verona, Middleton, some Prairie, and Beloit are not stepping up and doing the right thing for our kids. You know, they're going to deflect and go back and say, well, it's MMSD's fault. But the, the bottom line is MMSD has already failed our kids. We're done with MMSD. Yeah. There's nothing we can do with them. So let's move forward with the rest of our conference. And they're stepping up and doing the right thing for their kids. And they should do the exact same thing and afford our kids the right. Our football team is insured. There's no excuse. The WIA said that we can absolutely play any team in the state of Wisconsin. There is no excuse for them to not play us. It needs to happen. So I'm reading here the Big 8 statement here about them providing safe and equitable environments where athletic competition can thrive. We as a conference are committed to excellence in athletics and support for athletics. We seek to establish and maintain an inclusive culture that fosters equitable participation we expect all parties involved in any Big 8 event to show respect, grace, and afford humanizing practices to support athletic competitions at all times. That is their own statement from the Big 8. So they talk it, but they don't walk it. Exactly right. I mean, that's the biggest hypocrisy you've ever heard right there. That is, and, wow. You know, we're going to just keep fighting and, and keep telling the story. And, uh, you know, it's... I, it's not too late for these athletic directors to step up at those schools. There's absolutely no reason. These kids have been enough, been through enough through this pandemic. You know, we've, we've got a ton of at-risk kids in our football program. These kids deserve to play. They've, they've absolutely done everything they're supposed to do. We've made all the right steps to afford them the right to play. And now we need our own conference to step up and play us. Like I said, the Badger Conference at least was kind enough 
and understood that this is about kids, mm-hmm. and they stepped up, and three teams from the Badger Conference want to play us, but our own conference from the Big 8 won't play us. That's, wow, that's crazy. So I see a lot of people like, okay, well, they're a super team. You know, Madison West, Madison East, LaFollette, Memorial, they're a super team. How is that fair? Well, from what I was reading, you guys don't even have that many. I mean, you have kids out, but is, are you guys struggling with numbers? Like, what's the roster situation? Like, not that it matters. I'm just yeah, curious. Yeah, well, you know, you know I, I can definitely speak to that. We have 40 kids total on the roster. We have 30 juniors and seniors combined, and we have 10 sophomores and freshmen combined. So this is not even close to a super team. We are actually scheduling uh, junior varsity games as well for our younger kids to get them some playing time. And we have our first junior varsity game coming up here on Thursday at West Dallas Hale. So there's another school that's willing to play our younger kids. And, you know, it's not even close to a super team. You know, there's many, many kids that haven't came out for football this year, you know, because of this long pandemic. Some are not comfortable doing it, and we totally understand that too. We're just trying to give kids options. Yeah, and if it wasn't, you know, for you, Brad, is anyone else even doing anything here in the Madison area? There isn't anything else going on, and, you know, that's just another reason we had to make sure that we fought for our kids. You know, yeah. it's just and that's what you're doing, right? You're, you're fighting for the kids to have, I don't know, high school sports, correct? It, it, exactly, and they've been through enough. This last year has been a nightmare for these kids, and, you know, I don't want to hear that they can just suck it up. Well, that's not fair to these kids. All the other kids are getting back in school. They're playing sports. They're getting back to normal. Their mental health is getting back to normal, yeah. and that's what we need to do for our kids, and we're going to continue to do it. Brad, I absolutely love the cause, and I love that you're taking the bull by the horns. There's nothing I hate more than people that are say a lot of things but never do a lot of things. I don't like the hypocrites. And you, my friend, are out there taking the bull by the horns, like I said, and trying to make a difference. How can people help out if they want to help out? What can we do? Uh, you know, the biggest things are – you know, reaching out to the athletic directors at those four schools, Middleton, uh, you know, Verona, some Prairie, and Beloit, also reach out to their principals, also reach out to their superintendents. They need to understand that they need to provide an equitable opportunity for all kids in Madison. It's unfair to just have it in their own schools, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's an important step. If they want to help out from a uh, monetary standpoint, um, they can definitely go to my Facebook page, uh, just look up Brad Murphy, and you'll find you know Madison West football there. And there's a link there to our GoFundMe page, and uh, they can donate there as well. Brad, unbelievable stuff, man. I'm gl- I love when people walk it like they talk it. So unbelievable stuff. Uh, anything we can do personally here on the station to help out, let us know. You have a, a mouthpiece whenever you want it here uh, on Over the Line. And I'd like to, uh, afterwards, I want to get you in touch with Bill Michaels, who's got the entire uh, Wisconsin. He's got like 20 affiliates out there across the whole state. I'd love to get you on there as well. Uh, to, to spread the, the message as well, because I think it's a great cause to have these kids get back to some normalcy. What everyone else is, right? Except, exactly the, right. except the Madison area. Wow. Exactly right. Well, I appreciate your time, and, uh, you know, this is what we need. We need more and more people to step up for our kids. Hey, Brad, best of luck, man. I'm rooting for you, and I'm rooting for the uh, Madison West Football Club, my brother. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, man. There he is, Brad Murphy. Go help out. That's crazy. That's That's wild. You send out a statement that say you're all for, you know, <laughs> helping out all kids. And then when some kids come knocking, you turn your back. Wow. Crazy. All right, Rowdy, but uh, let's turn our attention real quick to Major League Baseball as opening day is next Thursday. 
crazy, right? That's April 1st when the Minnesota Twins come to American Family Field to take on Brandon Woodruff, your opening day starter, and uh, the crew. And we'll see what happens as the Brewers... um, I mean, there's going to be a lot of jokes cracked on April 1st. If the Brewers win, 162-0 coming up. If the Brewers lose, hey, they're going to finish 161-1. Can already uh, already feel it. But, Rowdy, Brewers over the weekend, we finally saw some low cane on Saturday. But low cane, you were just kind of uh, opining a little bit off air about the low cane. We finally saw him Saturday, but limited. What did he go? Three and one? Was he up there? Did he go three and one? Yeah, he went one for three. Or I'm sorry, one for three. And then he did not play yesterday, correct? Yep, didn't play on Sunday. So he's played in one game, and that was Saturday against the Cincinnati Reds. And Brewers had, did win that game 4-1, to one, which yep, is nice to see. Had three at-bats, played in the field, obviously, played center field. Had a ribby. And, uh, yeah, was taken out during the during the game for Garrett Mitchell, but his first action back went one for three and uh, got his feet wet. Yep, and Devin Williams was back for the first time with, uh, I think he had shoulder soreness. That's why he wasn't available in the playoffs. So Devin Williams got up after Brett Anderson. Brett Anderson gave up four or six hits, but struck out five in four innings of work. Devin Williams then went uh, two, uh, two-third innings. He gave up one hit, had one earned run and one strikeout, but he is working his way back, his first action back. Uh, Jordan Zimmerman, Rowdy. God, he got one, two, two innings, two hits, one strikeout. I don't know. Do you think Zimmerman's going to make the roster? No. Yeah, neither do I. I wanted them to, the Wisconsin product, but uh, we'll see what happens. But Rowdy, have yet to see more of a low cane. Garrett Mitchell, though, continues to rip it up. Yeah, he's batting 500 still this spring. In Cactus League action. Now, the Brewers did lose yesterday 3-1 to one to the Seattle Mariners. But Garrett Mitchell, you know, he had a hit in his one at bat. Uh, Keston Hira, he got another hit. Uh, that's nice to see because I know his stick was a little quiet. But so far... I mean, well, Christian Yelich is starting to swing the bat extremely yeah, well, he had a too. double on Saturday, I think. Uh, Colton Wong has been turning it up a little bit here lately. Same with Keston Hira. Uh, you just look at some of the guys that have been constants all spring. You mentioned Mitchell. Narvaez has been hitting the ball all spring. Travis Shaw has looked, his at-bats have looked a lot better. Like some of these guys, like Colton Wong, Keston Hira, Travis Shaw, the numbers don't necessarily look great because they're all batting. I think uh, Colton Wong's batting like 211. Kira's in the 170s, and I think Shaw's in like the 190s. But their at-bats are starting to look better from where they were at. Yeah. And they're starting to put it together a little bit. Like I said, Narvaez is hitting the ball really well. Christian Yelich is hitting the ball really well. He's looking more like the 18 and 19 version of Christian Yelich, not that stinky 2020 version. A lot of guys just continuing to trend upward for the Milwaukee Brewers. You mentioned Brett Anderson threw four innings, gave up six hits, one walk, struck out five. He's looked pretty good for the most part this uh, spring. Mm-hmm. Brandon Woodruff has looked solid this spring. Corbin Burns has looked phenomenal this spring. Hauser and Lindblom, so-so. Well, how about yesterday, fastball Freddie getting the start? He went four and two-thirds. He got five hits, but he struck out five, and he gave up one earned run, one home Yeah, run. Freddie Peralta's looked good for the most part. For the most part, in multiple outings coming out of the bullpen, dude, Fire Eisen's been and killing it too. Starting, Fire Eisen's looked really good out of the bullpen. Um, really, out of everyone that's that's thrown, Boxberger's gotten lit up lately. He was a guy that they brought in that yeah. might add depth to the bullpen. He took a loss yesterday, and uh, Eric Lauer, who I was high on going into the trade, he just has not pitched well since that trade. 
Yeah. He, they already uh, assigned him to AAA. Wow. Oh, they did? I missed that. Yeah. Damn. Crazy. Eric Lauer already signed. Wow. So, yeah, Brewers uh, back at it today. And uh, opening opening day is, like I said, next Thursday. That's yeah, crazy. week and a half away. They got the Indians today at 3.05. Is it a TV, is it a TV game? Yep. So Monday. Like it's not on the radio today. Monday, Tuesday are both TV games for the Brewers. That's against Cleveland and Los Angeles Dodgers. They're also on TV Friday against the White Sox. And then their last TV game of the year is Tuesday, that last scrimmage between the Texas Rangers before they start up the season on Thursday. Inching closer and closer to opening day. Can't freaking wait, man. Nine more spring training Ooh, games left. I can't believe that. It feels like it's just been a blink of an eye um, ever since we got, uh, you know, shoved that 60 game season down our throat that we didn't want. We're like, oh, this, is, this does not feel or taste right. But, God, finally, Brewers, spring training, back at it. Opening day, Thursday. And it's starting to look like that uh, starting rotation is uh, coming into form here. It appears that you're obviously – Woodruff was already named uh, opening, opening day starter. Burns is second. Corbin Burns has to be your number two. And I think at this point it's pretty easy to say that Brett Anderson's got to be your three with then uh, Adrian Hauser and Josh Lindblom being the four or five or however they're going to And fastball uh, Freddie's going to get up there once in a yep. while. Freddie Peralta will be your long reliever out of the bullpen with a spot start. Same thing with uh, Brent Suter, depending on matchups, being your lefty that can uh, throw a few innings out of the bullpen. Because, yeah, over the weekend it was uh, Eric Lauer was reassigned to AAA. Yeah, I'm looking here. Um, projected starting rotations are where they rank. Your Milwaukee Brewers, according to Bleacher Report, come and rank 13th in the majors. And they do go, obviously, Woody, your opening day, Corbin Burns, and Adrian Hauser, then Brett Anderson, then Josh Lindblom. Um, and then they say for depth or, and or injured. I mean, they have Eric Lauer on here, but you know, update that. Brent Suter. In uh, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, the Brewers have one of the best one-two punches in baseball and easily the best tandem in the NL Central. The veteran trio at the back of the staff are capable of being passable middle of the rotation options, but none was particularly effective in 2020. So they gave that uh, the Brewers 13th in the majors. And then if you go down, I don't think, look at that. The Brewers are the best. There you go. The Brewers, according to Bleacher Report, the best in the NL Central with the uh, starting rotation. The Cardinals are 14th. The Cincinnati Reds 15th. And then the Cubs, man, where do they have the Cubbies? Cubbies are 22nd. And the Pirates, you're going to take a stab in the dark with the Pirates, right, Rowdy? 30th. <laughs> that is correct. They are dead freaking last. Um, but, yeah, that's the biggest question mark for a lot of those teams. Throw the Pirates out. They're yeah, not who, contending for anything. Yeah. But uh, the team that was the favorite in the Central pretty much since the uh, season win totals have come out, the Cardinals, their biggest question mark is their pitching staff. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the the starters, but it's also what the back end of that bullpen is going to look like. They have a their closer is coming off of Tommy John and didn't play in 2020. And then you have uh, a lot of guys that have had good seasons in the past for the Cardinals, but maybe haven't necessarily been consistent or they're getting up there in age. And then you look at the Cubs, you know that the Cubs still have the majority of their, uh, their guys that uh, their batters returning. I know Schwarber is no longer there, but the majority of that uh, nucleus is still there. It's just a lot of question marks with the pitching staff. The Brewers have 
probably the most solid pitching staff, which those numbers spell out. Totally. And the highest upside for pitching staffs in that uh, NL Central. Yeah, the Brewers have it going on uh, pitching-wise and defensively. You know, hopefully the question remaining is the sticks, which last year the Brewers were very ineffective, and you would think there's no way they could get worse. So let's get even uh, better and more effective coming into this season. That's Isn't isn't the, the sticks the biggest question? Yeah, and I would say for the most part, a lot of those bats are performing well so far through spring for the first three weeks. I think uh, if you look at probably the worst performance, I guess you would say so far from a a group perspective for the Milwaukee Brewers is probably the bullpen, which most people probably would have said would have been the strongest uh, right? strongest part of the team going into spring. But you look at Hader got really roughed up in his first um, – appearance and that uh, is still hurting his ERA today. Devin Williams has had the soreness so he hasn't really thrown and he gave up a run in in his inning that he pitched. And some of the guys like uh, Topa and Boxberger who have looked really good at the beginning of spring have gotten touched up a little bit here and there in certain appearances, but you'll have that from time to time. But yeah, I would say uh the part of the Brewers so far in spring that has looked the worst and I'm not going to say they've looked bad because they haven't looked bad is the bullpen. And it's just because... Well, they're uh, trying a bunch of stuff out, right? Yeah, a lot of the guys haven't thrown very much and or have had, um, like, tightness where they haven't haven't been able to throw. Yeah. But, yeah, other than that, I think the the Milwaukee Brewers are definitely trending upwards going into this season. I think people are turning on everywhere with the Brewers. I've I've heard a lot of people now. I mean, you you went down to uh, Iowa and you plopped down a nice little... uh, Nice little fat stack on the Brewers over of 82. It was, it was 82 or 82 it was 82. And a half. 82 wins. Rowdy took the over. I love the over on that one as well. Uh, let's see. For, uh, who was I with? I think it was our guy Becker. Becker's like, I'm going to go down to Iowa and throw down on the Brewers over. He's like, I love what the Brewers are putting together this season. And a lot of people, I think, are finally turning around and be like, okay, the Brewers got something cooking here. And Stearns, we trust, continues to be the model. Our sports director, Zach Heilpern, he chose career, too. What's up, Zach? How are we doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's like every day that I'm not pushing daisies, every day that you know I'm not six feet under is a great, fantastic day, Zach. That's how I'm doing, baby. My question, though, Zach, is how the Big Ten doing with the, their uh, display in uh, March Madness? Oof. Oof. Uh, the great thing about Wisconsin losing, if there is a great thing about it, is that on the same day they lost, Illinois' Mm. you know, perhaps a once-in-a-generation team for them mm. lost as well. And so, you know, as bad as, you know, Badger fans feel, do you feel worse than Illinois fans? Do you no. feel worse than Rutgers fans? Oof. Blowing the late lead. They blow like it, that. dude. Like, I mean, of all the Big Ten teams that have lost. Do you feel worse than Ohio State fans? Right. Or Purdue fans. Or Purdue like fans. All, all the teams, even Michigan State, I mean, like, I guess Michigan State fans probably aren't feeling that they were not probably expecting too much, and I don't think Wisconsin <laughs> fans were expecting too much. But every everyone other all these other teams, oof, ouch, oofta, oofta. And it's probably not going to get a whole lot better. Zach, um, I, you know, I, I want to recap a little bit Friday, then move into what happened yesterday because mm-hmm. Friday was wow, that was incredible. That's the team that we all thought maybe Wisconsin could be. Um, just you know, talk about the highs of the highs of taking down Roy Williams in North Carolina. How special was that game for all those guys? Wow, they had to be amazing. It had to have been exactly what you were hoping for pretty much this entire year. Not obviously Brad Davis scoring twenty nine points um, and just throwing up threes and going then mm. going down. But mm. it was it was a really really good effort on both ends of the floor. It was consistency. It was a forty minute game that we hadn't seen all year from these guys. 
Um, and it was clearly their most complete game of the year. I mean, they had a few defensive breakdowns in the beginning of the second half that allowed North Carolina to, to get some points, but they answered every one of those points at the other end. Like, it felt like North Carolina was scoring every single possession, and they went to the first timeout, and they were, Wisconsin was still up 16. So, yeah, no, it was as good of an effort as I can remember in an NCAA tournament game for the last, probably since that 2014-2015 season, just in terms of uh, putting everything together. Yeah, it was magical. It was, uh, I'm like, this is what I've been waiting for all season. Like, finally, I get a, a complete game that looked like that team, you know, last year that stormed back to win the Big Ten. So, Zach, then we go to Sunday against the Baylor Bears. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't know if Wisconsin will play like they did against North Carolina, but obviously you're going to have to play a good game against the the number one seed, the Baylor Bears, who are, uh, man, they're an athletic team. Wisconsin mm-hmm. didn't play a bad game. It's just no. I think Baylor's just better. Baylor's clearly a lot better. They're 24-2 and two for a reason. Um, and, you know, Wisconsin, yeah, you're right. They didn't play horribly. And I, I thought they actually played pretty well, especially offensively. I mean, you hold – you shoot 45%. Until the last minute, they were shooting over 40% from three. And, uh, you know, that was that's great. But then you go on down the stat sheet a little bit, mm. and you go past assists, and you go past steals, and you go past blocks, and you hit turnovers. Mm. And you see 14. Mm. And then you go and look at the advanced, you go look at some other stats and see that Baylor turned that into 16 points. The margin of victory for Baylor, 13 points. So you can't. If you're going to beat a Baylor team, if you're going to beat that kind of Baylor team, you can't turn the ball over 14 times. It's why Baylor has been so good this year. They, they force turnovers like nobody else. And uh, Wisconsin had been so good at not turning the ball over. But that first half was just, oof. Uh, nine, nine of those turnovers came in the first half, and Baylor just took advantage of them. That's what's going to happen when you're playing against a good team. You can't do that. And I, I thought, it's, obviously Wisconsin fought back, right? They got to within seven a couple yeah, times in the yeah. second half. But I felt like that three-pointer at the end of the first half Really, really yeah, yeah. took some wind out of the sails because they hit the three to make it a ten point game. You haven't played that great, but you're only down by ten, and then they hit that three. And it's, yeah, yeah, that was that so, was that left the bad taste in, my, in your mouth when you went to the locker room. Just ah. yeah, Zach. So we've had some callers call in very very spirited discussions today, and I'm sure it will continue on this week and you know moving forward about you know everyone. It's a matchup problem. It was a matchup problem for Wisconsin. They didn't match up well against Baylor. And then people are like, I'm sick of hearing that excuse because how does how does Oral Roberts match up with an Ohio State, with a Florida, and now with an Arkansas, you know, as they're in the Sweet 16? How does a 15 seed like Oral Roberts match up with someone? How does a Loyola of Chicago match up with like an Illinois and still take them down? You know, like people are like, well, well go ahead, sir. No, no, I was just going to say, I was going to finish the, uh, the, the matchup problem. Like they just were like, how do you explain it? Because people are like, oh, I'm sick of the matchup problem excuse. Well, it's, it's kind of funny because you ask anybody who um, covers college basketball, like uh, the NCAA tournament, it's usually not about who's better. It's usually about matchups. Yeah. It's usually about who you get matched up with. And uh, Baylor was a horrible matchup for Wisconsin. Um, that, I, I, don't, I mean, teams, guard, teams that have the ability to beat you off the dribble every single time down, it's going to be a problem. And Baylor has the guards, had the guards to do that. Wisconsin – just frankly, not athletic enough uh, at the guard spot to stay in front of guys. And, um, you know, when they do that and then they're able to kick it back out for threes or put the ball up on the rim and let some other guys jump up and go get them, uh, it's, that's a bad matchup for Wisconsin. Wisconsin was a bad matchup, I guess, when we go back and look at it, it was a bad matchup for North Carolina just because of the way that they play. A lot of half-court stuff, not going to let you get up and down, that type of thing. And, um, you know, 
Well, is it, is it that Wisconsin couldn't impose? Is matchups. Is it just that? Tournament is all about matchups. Because North Carolina, you know, full of four and five star recruits, a guy six ten. Yep. I mean, obviously number one in offensive rebounds. Like they're they're a very athletic team. That's what North Carolina is and always will be. Baylor, is it just is it Wisconsin was able to play an A plus game against North Carolina and impose their will, and then you flash forward it to the Baylor matchup yesterday. Is Bay, that Baylor then imposed their will on Wisconsin, and Wisconsin couldn't play their style of basketball? Well, I think the inexperience of North Carolina hurt them against Wisconsin. They got frustrated. Baylor, they were able to, because of the experience of, the, of their guards, because Wisconsin was getting beat off the dribble, they had to come over and help, and they were always able to find the open guy because they've had, they have so much experience. Like They've seen it all. North Carolina guards, perhaps if they were juniors, would have seen some open guys that yeah. maybe get, would have given Wisconsin a little bit more trouble. Um, but they didn't. They, they didn't have that kind of experience. The, Baylor did, and um, you, you know you saw what it was. Again, Wisconsin, if it's not for the turnovers, that game is not a double-digit win for, for Baylor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, that game, if, you, if Wisconsin only turns the ball over like it usually does nine times, less than nine times, that's a single-digit game probably coming down to the last minute. So um, that, I don't know how, how much more you could have hoped for from Wisconsin outside of, you know, cutting down on the turnovers. So, Zach, if you could grade the two performances against North Carolina and Baylor, what would you give the Badgers for both games? I'd give the North Carolina game an A. Um, mm-hmm. As I said before, it was the most complete game they've had of all year. And and Baylor would probably be like a, a low B. I don't know. Like, it, it's so yeah, hard. I mean, that's basically what we did, too. Because you look at you look at the stat sheet, and I know, you know, stats aren't everything, but you look at the stat sheet and you're just the only true huge huge difference was turnovers. Yeah, I mean Baylor, Baylor did. I mean Baylor shot. I mean, they shot a little better on the three point line, but yeah, but they. But, well, I mean, they both hit eight three pointers. Yeah. So uh, that's true. And they both shot forty five percent for the field overall. Obviously, Baylor shooting eighteen or shooting twenty three free throws to Wisconsin's seven uh, was a bit of an issue, though. A lot of that came, you know, late. So. It all comes down to Wisconsin turning the ball over 14 times and Baylor turning it over four times. So at Zach, least in my mind. Yeah, Zach Halperin, our sports director, joining us right now. Yeah, turnovers were the huge problem, especially with a team that's so you know careful with the ball and just have them cough up nine times in the first half was tough. Well, well, yeah, yeah, because then you, you're also a low possession team too. Yeah, so yeah. like 14 turnovers for Wisconsin is significantly more than for a team that uh, has a has a pace that you know is getting a lot more possessions. So Zach, now what we're gonna get coming up here on Twitter because it's already happening and you'll have it, you know, this offseason now the, the fire guard crowd is going to come out. And um, guard, you know, has won more than 60% of his games, been two sweet 16s, won a Big Ten title in six years. Uh, for the the move on fire guard crowd, that's not happening, right? Like no one foresees <laughs> that happening, correct? No. Yeah. that I'm, I'm right there with you. So, Zach, the question that remains is a lot of people say it's like, well, it's the system. It's you know the swing offense. It's the recruits. Yada yada yada. It's uh, I saw someone making the that the program is on repeat. Every year you're in the upper part of the Big Ten, and every year you make the tournament, and then every year minus the two final four years you bow out uh, before the final weekend. Is there is there shame in that? They cried not enough talent. Is it coaching? Like, what is it for Wisconsin to help get them over the hump? Because if you fa- fast forward it now, if all the seniors leave, who is the oldest? on the roster, Tyler Wall, and then the next would be Jonathan Davis in terms of minutes? Yeah, playing experience. Yeah, I mean, Johnny played like 20, I think it was like 24 minutes a game this year, so plenty of experience, ton of experience. Same thing for um, for Tyler Wall. He's played a bunch of basketball these last two years. Uh, but uh, yeah, if everybody leaves, 
that's that those are your senior lead or those are your those are your uh, leaders. Those are the two guys to be leaders. So wow. obviously they have obviously uh, they have some other guys, young guys, uh, freshmen that were around these guys t- this year that just didn't play a ton. We saw a little bit of uh, Stephen Crawl against North Carolina, pulled in a rebound that ended up leading to a to a, a re- excuse me leading to a layup. Hell yeah! So that that was uh, that was interesting. A Big minutes. Seven footer that you know uh, I don't think is going to have this is, is going to have an impact can shoot it from deep. And you got Ben Carlson who got you know played early right and then got hurt and didn't get you know any action in games until the North Carolina game was out of hand uh, again. So you have uh, you have a little bit of a base. You know, hopefully, get Lauren Bowman back and back into it. They are going to have the guards that they brought in in this class or in this class and, and then the one that's coming in. Chucky Hepburn. Lauren Bowman and Chucky Hepburn Beast. are going to help their going to help their athleticism in the backcourt a bit. I would say, um, in my opinion, and because Lauren could beat you off the dribble, he's he's really really good off the dribble. Well, obviously, needs continuing as improving as a shooter. But there's a lot of young guys. This is going to be if all the seniors leave, it's going to be one of the youngest rosters in recent memory, and it's going to be probably a I would say a rough year. And those Man. People that are yelling fire grade, uh, fire guard are going to be even louder uh, at this time next year. But I do think that there is a lot of hope with these this class of 2020 and the 2021 class of, uh, you know, having really, really good careers. It just may well, not happen next year. Who would have been in Who would have been in that junior class that's non-existent? Uh, Tyler Hero? Was Ty Strickland in there as well? Um, am I correct yep. in that? Taylor Curry. Yeah, Taylor I mean, Ty Strickland would not have been in that class if uh, – Tyler Hero had uh, actually come in. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, because he came in later. They yeah. added him late. I mean, he was a late add. Taylor Curry was in that class. There's losing um, Tyler Hero like they did at the point that they did was a killer. Yeah. I mean, they, they they were. Yeah, it was it was horrible. It's not like Tyler Hero would, would have still been here. You know but, right. I mean, he would have been to the NBA. Yes, he would have left. So he, that 2018 class was an, uh, a complete and absolute. Uh, disaster, and, <laughs> and, the 19, it, yeah. <laughs> and the 19 class, which you know, essentially is just Tyler Wall. So uh, wow. they had, I mean, and you know, Joe Hedstrom, I think, as well. But like the, yeah, the, it's just it was a disaster. So, yeah. the, but but the 2020 and the 2021 class, both top 35 classes in the country. You know, only they, someone I saw on Twitter was talking about. Like Bo would have recruited better than Greg. Well, the only two classes, there's only two classes in the history of Wisconsin that have been better in terms of recruiting rankings than Greg's classes in 2020 and 2021. There's only two classes in Bo's tenure that were better than than these groups. So I, I don't buy that either. Um, it's just that. Well, wasn't Greg Gard the recruiter when Bo Ryan back. was here, anyways? There were a bunch of guys recruiting, but yeah, yes, and Gard was, was one of them, right? Yeah. Yes, he just played a significant role in, in almost all the guys they got out of Minnesota. Okay, okay. Uh, Zach, before I let you go, um, of all these seniors, there's six of them. Are any, to your knowledge, coming back? I think it's clear that Demetrius Trice is not coming back. I think it's pretty clear that uh, Michael Potter and, and Nate Reavers are also not going to be back. Um, I don't think Lean Ford's coming back. I think of, of all the six, it'd be either you know Trevor Anderson or Brad Davison. And um, if I had to say between the two, I'd say Trevor. But I don't. Even, I'm not positive on that. I don't know if there's going to be a ton of minutes for him next year. I think they're probably going to want to go with some of the younger guys. We kind of saw him struggle a little bit against uh, some athleticism that Baylor had. Uh, but, uh, you know, Brad would be a great 
obviously addition. I know certain people would not want to see that, but uh, if he decides he wants to come back, uh, I think it'd be huge for, for Greg Card to, yeah. to have a guy like that um, with all that experience. But we'll see. And Zach, before I let you go, football, what's happening soon? What's happening? Spring, what's happening? Spring practice. The Badgers getting spring practice going next what is today? The twenty second, next Tuesday, I believe, in Madison. Yes, and going through early May. It's going to be uh, be interesting. Not that we're going to get to see any of it, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be fun. Zach, we appreciate your time, man. And uh, right, yeah, just much love, brother. Thanks for joining us. All right, see you, man. See you soon. There he is, our Zach. Our Zach. That is our Zach. He's our Zach. Our sports director, Zach Halpern. <laughs>